Are you trapped in a dead-end job or possibly a toxic relationship or even, sadly, a hopeless life? My guest today, Julia Brodska, is about to rock your world. She is going to stimulate you. She is going to motivate you to pummel your insecurities, conquer your fears, and become unstoppable. Now that sounds like a huge menu and I'm so excited to hear Julia's incredible story today. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you and so excited to hear your story. I think that your story is probably one that a lot of people are going to relate with because of where you've been and where you wanted to go and eventually where you ended up. It's the perfect story for this audience. So I thank you for joining us today and never ever give up hope. Now the first thing I want to talk about is a little bit about when you were a girl. You grew up in poverty. You became a high school dropout. You were overweight. You were unhappy. So tell us about that and what you were going through then. Sure. Um, so pretty much I was born in Ukraine, in Russia, during uh, the war when they separated and became their own country. And, you know, my family had a good life set up for us, but uh, we unfortunately had to move at that time and they, they lost everything in the process of that. So my mum pretty much, you know, took me and my younger sister uh, when we were like, I was about three years old. She was just, you know, born and we moved to Australia to start a new life. And then my father had a stroke. So that uh, from that stroke, he actually had he had Alzheimer's dementia. Oh. Yeah. And so just growing up, um, life was you know pretty rough as a kid. Um, my mom was out all day and night. She was getting her degree again in accounting because in Australia they didn't really care about her Russian degree. And oh, then really? she was learning, yeah. And then she was learning it English at night. And you know she had us two young kids, and my dad was also becoming a dependent um, slowly as well. So yeah, there's earlier years. I developed a lot of limiting beliefs and uh, around when I was 10, my dad passed away and I didn't take it very well as a kid, you know, I started rebelling and, you know, my mum would beg me to study and stay in school and um, get a good job and stuff and I just had a real attitude towards life, um, a bad attitude, so really had like the victim mentality, uh, definitely 
you know, didn't think that it was worth working or achieving goals. You know, I would say, please study so you can get a good job. And I'd respond with, why would it do for you and dad? And that's kind of the belief that I lived with for a really long time. Uh-huh. Uh, that No matter how hard you work, you know, life could just flip on you at any moment. And later in life, um, you know, I was just a really angry person and all these bad things happened to me. And so I, so I lived that way for a really long time. And I'd never been exposed to any, you know, university teachings or law of attraction, things like that. And so, um, yeah, I just didn't really know better. And I thought that kind of justified it in my head for why um, I was so unhappy is because, you know, life was bad to me and unfair to me. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my story at the beginning. And then when I got into my teenage years and early twenties, I just started, um, you know, it just got worse cause I had, I had friends that didn't influence me in the best way. And I also just went into like the party world, took drugs all the time. I, I think there was a few years that I wasn't sober for a day and wow. just a really toxic, um, self-destructive way that I was living. And then, yes, yeah, so I started on a bit of a search for change. So what happened? You, know, you said that at one point you were drowning in debt. Is this about the same time then? You were still overweight, but you wanted to turn your life around? Is that? Yes. Yeah, okay, so, so tell us what happened to bring you to that place. Um, I was in a relationship for seven years, and that's kind of when I gained a lot of weight, and I thought I was going to marry this person, and but you know it was it was really actually quite a toxic relationship and it the debt came from from just living a lifestyle of like double my salary for you know over five years and that came from a a belief that I like wanted to fit in so I'd buy expensive designer bags that I couldn't afford and while there's nothing wrong with buying things that Uh are expensive if you can't afford it you know it's probably not the best decision financially (laughs) at the time so yeah and I just used to do all these things so I could fit in because I got really bullied in school when I was younger um, not knowing the language and things like that and I just hated being different and the friends that I surrounded myself with were also, you know, people who were in lots of debt and couldn't afford it. You know, some could. Um, but, yeah, so just living like that, not even because I valued a Louis Vuitton bag, for example, more because, you know, I needed to look good and act a certain way. Same thing with cars and all that. And then that relationship ended um, when my partner at the time hit me. And I guess that was kind of the last straw for me. Um, there's a lot of, you know, um, mental abuse in there as well. But when it got physical, I, I sort of realized, like, what's next? This is not the relationship I imagined or want to be in anymore. And although it was hard because when you've got, you know, when you're in a relationship for seven years, you have the same friends, you know, in a circle, of you go to the same places. And especially Sydney, Australia, it's not, you know, not a big city. You bump into everyone you know. Um, but yeah, so that was really difficult and I had no idea where I was going or what I was doing. And I kind of just learned a way to just wait on the lesson and just get a lot of stillness in a lot of silence, a lot of time alone. And I mean, even though that wasn't by choice, you know, it still happened. And from there I started to learn and I started to open up and expand to a bit of a spiritual side that I never had before. 
I also saw a therapist to help me over six weeks um, do a bunch of like self-love things that really sort of got me strong at my core and aligned with myself and really figuring out who I was. Lots of different things and lots of different people um, inspired me. I started reading books. I'd never read a book before the age of you know, 23 or something like that. And uh, unless I was forced to by school and even then I probably didn't even read it properly. <laughs> but, yeah, like I wasn't interested and, and now I read um, a couple of books a month at least. Yeah, so I just started to make different choices and do different things and then that kind of attracted different things and different people and experiences and places and then I was able to really uh, zone in on that and figure out what was working, what was not in this positive space and then create the life of my dreams eventually. And we'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, I'd like you to address something that you said about the victim mentality. How did For you sure. break out of that? Like, is was there anything that, you know, because victim mentality is basically a pity party. So you lived, mm-hmm. you lived in a pity party world. How did you change your attitude or... How did you specifically break out of that? Uh, The first thing was one of my bosses actually introduced me to the book called The Secret. That was my entry point into all of this. It's got some really valuable lessons and it's all about, you know, you attract your reality uh, and it couldn't be more true. So while I could sit there and cry and poor me, I got hit by my boyfriend and um, life's really hard. Like that's all good. Of course, they're all valid statements but they're not going to progress you. So there's really uh-huh. just no, no. I don't have any time or space to spend on those emotions. I go, okay, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And those moments of contrast are what teach us what we want and what we don't want, you know, because if you haven't experienced it and you haven't gone through a bit of bullshit, then you really, you know, can't, um, can't even begin to ask for the wonderful things because you've got to sift through a little bit of that stuff. So, yeah, like uh, – My entry point was definitely the secret, but, I mean, there's so many layers to it. Once you realize that you are the creator of your own reality and you can do anything you want and Uh absolutely anything is possible and there's, you know, you're not a victim of your circumstances or, um, you know, the resources are all there and available for you, you just become so powerful. And I'd rather live in power than, um, you know, than be weak in in that space. So I think that's definitely what sort of created that change. I just enjoyed the power. And whether whether it's true or not true, you know, proven or not proven, it makes me feel good and it makes me feel powerful and essentially that it works, right? You probably got some of that tenacity from your mom too. She sounds like she, you know, through her struggles, et cetera, she really pushed herself. And I think you had to come to that place where you had to push yourself too. Is that correct? Absolutely. My mom is my biggest hero. I could just only imagine finding the guy of my dreams. You know, we spend so much time searching for that, many of us. Um, You know, finding a dream husband and starting a life, having two kids. You both have successful jobs. You've got a house, um, you know, a car. You got everything you need. Life is beautiful. And then something like that happens that no one's got any control over. You know, it's not like one of them cheated and left each other or did something unforgi- uh, unforgivable you know in, in their version of whatever that is but it was 
life just took it away from them and and then just imagining the struggle of watching your husband deteriorate like would you leave would you stay would you keep your vows like there's so many levels to her so yeah she's the strongest woman I know and if I could even be half that I'd be a very successful woman you are a very successful woman and like <laughs> I said that I'm sure a lot of that came from your mom watching yeah. her and what a great role model and I know that that's what you want to Thank do you. too is you want to be that role model for others which brings us to now you own two successful companies you teach many workshops and classes you speak to corporations yeah. and through all this you manage to travel the world so tell us about mm -hmm. that life now Oh, life is awesome now. It's so good. I wrote a book uh, called Best Lifing, which the point of it was like I took such a hard road to get here and like it was just so unnecessary. So I try to put all of that with with stories, um, you know, really deep actually like pretty dark stories. I try to, you know, incorporate that all into a book to really help people with the lessons that I learned and, you know, give them – give them an idea or hope that life can be better. So the whole book's about overcoming limiting beliefs, uh, living your dreams and creating fulfillment in what we call the seven areas of life. And the book did really well. It became an international bestseller. And Let me just um, interrupt you for one second before you go on about the book mm -hmm. and tell, give us an example. Like you said, there are many examples in the book. Give us something that you know would, mm -hmm. would really intrigue somebody to want to buy it. So in this book, I take you through um, many stories, you know, from when I was young and what it was like to have a father who was disabled, um, all the way to, you know, when I was abusing drugs, what happened after that and how I transitioned. The transition point was just one day I was overweight. I was in all this debt, you know, banks are chasing me. I was just so unhappy with the state of my life. And I just felt like I could not get out of it. I went to a restaurant with my friend Bernard, um, who was also my mentor and boss uh, at the time. It was funny, like, I didn't choose the restaurant. I didn't choose Bernard because I wanted to hang out with a friend. I just wanted to fill in my space. And, you know, I was so ungrateful for how amazing he was back then. Not feeling in space <laughs> and time, like, it was just so empty. And we did a usual, you know, dinner with wine and then I had enough wines. Usually I'd drink enough wine to knock myself out so I wouldn't have to think or feel anything. And, but this time... I, I don't know why it happened in this way, but I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And I just broke down crying to my friend. And he was he was asking me, like, what, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? And I said, I'm just so unhappy, you know, with the state of my life. Um, I thought I'd be doing more by now. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, relate with that. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, having these expectations of yourself and putting yourself down about not achieving them. Uh, and, yeah, I was just like I had a big breakdown there and he made it really simple. He really helped me um, figure out, like, where it was that I'm at and where I want to be. And then we just created a plan to get there. But instead of saying, oh, I want to lose 30 pounds, I'm going to go to the gym every single day, we actually broke it down into really manageable chunks because at that point in time, I'd never been to a gym. So going to a gym every day all of a sudden was really unrealistic. I'd go there a couple of times and I'm sure I would have given up. Uh, but so we ended up with small, you know, 30-minute walks instead. 
And those walks then turned into runs later and then those runs turned into finally going to the gym and, you know, finding a passion for different sports and, you know, other ways to lose weight. So that's kind of how Best Lifing the whole business started. After the the book was pretty successful, we ended up getting – well, I, so I got together a few experts in different industries like fitness and uh, you know, yoga and things like that, uh, nutrition. And we kind of collaborated and started a whole entire business out of it pretty much. They just, um, they just contribute to the different areas of life that they're relevant in. So we've got seven areas of life. There's the social, physical, spiritual, financial, intellectual, and vocational and relational. Sorry, <laughs> I can't count. So in um, your book, you go through each one. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, and so the way that it's structured is um, I have a story for, uh, you know, it's kind of like more of a um, story of when it wasn't good in each of the areas. And then I have actually a diary entry, which is more current, which is kind of towards the end of the publishing stage. So you can see where I'm at today. And then we have lessons and action steps for each of the seven areas of life. So it's super practical as well. And I do get very deep and open. There's no secrets in that book. <laughs> it was really scary letting my mom read some no of it. No kidding. Sure. <laughs> I bet. Yes. And what did she say? You go, girl. Um, actually, well, yeah, she was, she was super proud of me. Um, but actually, funnily enough, she, like, refuses to believe in any of it, which I'm happy for her to live with that. <laughs> That's right. And what would you say would be the greatest motivation that you can give somebody to who is struggling as you were and needs to change, how do they take that first step? Just start walking. The grass has got to be on the other side. That's what I had to, like, that's what I had to tell myself um, over and over again. There's got to be something better out there. And uh, once you get yourself into alignment, once you start to really feel good and just enjoy the process and the process with the contrast because the contrast is so important to the good things. Like I always like to say if everything was always good, it would like and there was no, you know, what we perceive to be bad or challenging or difficult, well, the feeling would really be numb, wouldn't it? Because we don't have anything to compare it to. So you've got to really appreciate those moments that, you know, you aren't feeling your best because then they show you the difference and you're able to feel your best otherwise it would just all be numbness so yeah that would be my first step is just try and do anything that you can do to feel good and start walking um anything this is one of the things that my therapist did with me we just started doing things like bubble baths and nice music and a massage or a nice walk with some fresh air time alone 10 minutes of silence chuck on a meditation um from youtube or something you know, everyone's different, but find what just makes you feel good and lifts up your energy and just take it one moment at a time. If your energy is going down and you're not feeling so great, take it back up. And as soon as you can sit in that high vibration as long as possible and that really good, joyous feeling as much as, as often as you can, uh, you'll start to see things just naturally start to change and you'll get inspiration to go do things or meet people and and that's where it all starts to fall together and then it just becomes magic after that. I like what you said when you were at the restaurant and your the person you were dining with said 
where are you now and where do you want to be? Do you think that that is a perfect place for people to start? Absolutely. Figuring out where you're at, because a lot of the time we, and I'm totally guilty of this, but a lot of the time we might like run around in our problems and Mm. we never stop to really assess that. So by just stopping for a second, you know, I've got all these problems, I've got all these bills coming at me, I've got all, um, you know, relationship problems, blah, blah, blah. We never actually like stop and we're good at saying I'm unhappy, but we're not really good at analyzing it sometimes, right? Just naturally as humans, it's just like sort of complaining, complaining and running around in circles trying to make it better. Once you just stop everything, put a pause on it and go, okay, where am I right now in terms of relationship or finances or um, vocational, you know, my job or my dream, physical, social, where am I actually standing and where do I want to be? Because a lot of the time anxiety, it actually comes from, this is what I've learned, it comes from standing in one place and wanting to be somewhere else. And the gap in between that is what causes the anxiety. So if you can just figure out what that gap is by going, here's the amount of money I have versus the amount of money that I want. Here's the relationship qualities that I have versus what I want. Um, then you're able to fill in that gap, whether it's through good communication from a place of love or whether it's, you know, through a financial plan or a savings plan or a budget. You know, I, I know a lot of people that don't even live on a budget of what they're spending their money on. And then they're, then they're like, oh, but I'm so broke, you know, uh, you know, money doesn't come to me. Well, if, if you're not sure where it is, you know, that, that's my point. You've got to figure out where you're at and where you want to be. Um, and only then can you ever possibly even start to create a plan to get them. I've never heard the definition of anxiety being standing in one place and wanting to be somewhere else. And I think that is absolutely bang on. I really appreciate that. What that also does when you do that, you take that moment to just realize where you are and it's not where you want to be. You change your focus. Absolutely. And when you change your focus, that's your goal then. And Mm -hmm. I think you said at one point earlier that it's baby steps. You don't arrive at that goal the first day you're out. Same as if you're running and you have to take it in baby steps. You start walking Mm -hmm. and you start running, you start jogging, etc. It's the same way in life. So do you compare, like in your book, do you compare a lot of um, the steps in your book with um, exercise and, and change in lifestyle as well? Well, so that's just one of the seven areas of life. So the physical area of life is all focused around food, fitness, and feelings. Yeah. So we talk a lot about that. And the reason why feelings is such a big one in the physical area of life is because how you feel is really going to determine your outcomes. If you have a reward and punishment mentality towards food and exercise, uh, you know, you're not going to get, it's not a sustainable approach to achieving your goal. Um, you're not going to get very far. Uh, one thing one thing I love to always talk about is, so naturally as humans, our minds are really, really good at giving constructive feedback, especially to <laughs> ourselves, right? But, and, and that's how we get a little bit all in our head, like, oh, the gym's really hard, or you didn't do enough at the gym today. Um, oh, you're going to eat that cake, that's going to cost you two hours on the treadmill, things like that. Um, and so we spend a lot of time really giving ourselves constructive feedback. And this is very, very dangerous because we don't give ourselves enough positive feedback. 
um, or reassuring feedback. We don't actually like make time for that as often. And it's not something that's natural to stand there and say, you did a fantastic job today, Julia. You really impressed me, you know, really saying that to yourself. And so I did a little bit of a research thing um, a while back and I just asked in every conversation that I had with friends, family, business, I just asked, you know, random question, this week or today on your to-do list, how many things of those things on your to-do list do you think you achieved perfectly? And I'd get answers like, oh, not many or none or there's no such thing as perfection and things like that. And I said, okay, fair enough. And that was, that was the common answer. Actually, I don't think one person said even <laughs> one thing that they did perfectly, to be honest. And then I said, okay, and how many things would you do better on your to-do list? Uh-huh. And I'd get things like, oh, you know, probably half of it. Oh, I had a really busy day yesterday or today or whatever. And so there's so much like constructive. There's so much not good enough. I'm not doing enough. And from that, because I'm good at that as well, I'm always like, oh, I didn't do enough today. I didn't call that person back. But I never give myself enough credit for the wonderful things that I do do. You know, they just get thrown out. Um, And so, and it's like onto the next, onto the next. And so I started doing this exercise, which really helped me. And it was like, whenever those constructive feedback moments start to arise, I catch them. And I've made a specific day, Friday, 5 p.m., which is consist- uh, which is the constructive feedback time. So if it happens on a Monday at 4 o'clock on the drive home or whatever, or if it happens on a Saturday, I say, no, excuse me, brain, this is not your time for constructive feedback. Your meeting is at Friday, 5 p.m. <laughs> I like and that. And then that's it. And I just change, change that straight away. And so when you do that, right, and you're not beating yourself up all the time, what happens? You feel good about going to the gym. You feel right. good about eating good. Um, and, you know, you're less likely to give up. That's the whole point of that exercise. I'd like you to f- complete this sentence. I was thinking um, as you were talking that guilt plays a huge part in trying to change. And so if you would say to someone who is feeling guilty to change that feeling of guilt to one of, how would you complete that? A feeling of joy and gratitude. Excellent. And that's for yourself. That's your constructive feedback. Yeah, exactly. So when that when that constructive feedback and guilt happens, I just say, okay, well, what were all the things that you did do to serve people? What did your team get out of, you know, your work today? Or what, what did your clients benefit? Or how did you do things well? And really just start to talk about those and go through those. And, you know, sometimes you will have a rough day and it's really hard to come up with even one thing that you did well. I understand that. Or sometimes you might just need to take a day to yourself and not do anything well. And that's totally fine. Um, it's just accepting that and being, like, patient and comfortable and loving yourself right for that. Right. And in right. those moments, I'll just pick a subject that I get joy out of. I love, you know, my mother for these reasons or my team for these reasons and I'll actually just start writing in my gratitude book and start going, I'm grateful for all these things and very quickly you forget about all the things you didn't do and you start thinking about all the things you're grateful for and then you're back on that good vibration and ready to attract all the wonderful things. Now your program is called Best Lifing, which is the same as your book. Would you suggest Mm -hmm. that people buy your book first and then possibly hook up with uh, one of the programs or 
what would you recommend? So we actually do offer a copy of the ebook for free with the program. So they don't need to buy it separately. But if they did buy the book, they do also get a discount into the program for okay. that. How long is, is the program? Going. The program is eight weeks, but you do get lifetime access to it. Okay. So we go through... Um, now, the program's actually called, it's Best Lifing, but it's called the Gourmet Guide to Best Lifing. And that one's specifically focused on the physical area of life, as I was talking about the food, fitness, and feelings. And I bring together a bunch of wonderful experts. So it's not just all me telling you what okay. to do. It's heaps of different people. We've got business owners, got a nutritionist, Golden Gloves champion, professional boxer, personal trainer. And so... I bring together all these wonderful people to sort of sing you the same song so you, you really know mm-hmm, that it's true mm-hmm. and it works. And, you know, these are people who have all implemented this work into their lives um, and we've collaborated to put the program together. We've put a lot of love into it. So, yeah, definitely recommend it, obviously. <laughs> so is there anything in particular you would like to say to the audience in closing to possibly give them a new motivation um, I do recommend that you know people come and check it out. It is an awesome course. Uh, and if you're in Miami as well, we're on the beach and we do self-love sessions twice a month. And we also do evenings of enlightenment here in our office on a beautiful rooftop. I would just say, you know, believe in yourself. You've got this and don't ever give up dreaming. It's absolutely possible. Anything is possible. There's no dream that's too big or too small. And we're happy to help you achieve it. And you just got to, you know, it's just all about putting a, a plan into place and doing one small thing each day towards your dream. Uh, that's going to make a lot of difference. It's more than the average person does because one small step each day is 365 steps a year towards your dream. And that is massive progress. So you can do it. It's just like anything else. You need a plan and you just need to take action. That's incredible. One step a day, I love that, is actually 365 steps a year. We're all capable of doing one step a day. I Thank you. That that can encourage us in every area of our lives. Just like you said, there are seven areas yeah. in your course and in your book. Well, thank you so much, Julia, You're for sharing so that today. That thank was really me. encouraging and motivating and I thank you for being on Never, Ever, Ever Give Up Hope. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.